Well, good morning again, and we are continuing in our sermon series through the Gospel of Mark called Mystery of the Kingdom. And Jesus comes to this earth and he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is very close. And he says, repent and believe the good news, the good news of God's kingdom. And he's unfolding this kingdom. He's teaching about this kingdom. And today I want to consider children in the kingdom or the role of children in the kingdom. And here in, in short order, there's two passages where Jesus is with children and he refers to children and interacting with children and uh, where, where do these children fit into the ki- to God's kingdom? And what can we teach our children? What can we learn from them? And actually, there's a number of our children in service today is we're transitioning from our, our school year kids program on Sunday mornings into our summer program. So uh, we're in that shift. And it's interesting as a, as a church, but it's interesting to consider as we think about God's kingdom on earth, how that kingdom is advancing today both in our own lives, in the life of this church and, and in our region, how the kingdom and how the gospel is taking root or not taking root in our country, but also globally. How is this kingdom advancing today? And I'm, I'm going to be taking a trip later this summer. I mentioned this uh, another time, but um, I'm going to East Asia, a place where the gospel is taking root rapidly, and we're going to learn and observe and see what, what is it and how is this happening and, and how are the leaders responding to it and just what is God doing around the world? And I really look forward to that. But for many years, people who studied these things uh, had been focusing on what they call uh, the 1040 window. I don't know if you've ever heard this concept. So the 1040 window describes an area of the world where the most people who had not been exposed to the good news of Jesus Christ, had not been exposed to the gospel, lived. And it was between the 10th and the 40th uh, latitudes, 10 and 40 degrees north latitude, north of the equator. And uh, that was, includes North Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. So that, that kind of, that window. And people who were studying these were really focused on that. If we could just reach these areas, this would really could have a huge impact for, for the kingdom of God in our world today. In recent years, there's been a shift, uh, not away from that, but sort of a refocus, and there's a new concept called the 414 window. Are you familiar with the 414 window? The 414 window is not about geography, but it's about age. And it's about the fact that 70% of all decisions to follow Jesus Christ, to put faith in Jesus Christ, happen in children between the ages of four and 14. And people who consider the global advancement of the good news of Jesus and his kingdom are focusing more on age groups than, than uh, geography, or, or kind of both of those dynamics together. There was an article in the publication Christianity Today a number of years ago about children and children's ministry. And they said uh, researcher George Barna, who wrote the book transforming children into spiritual champions stresses the importance of children's ministry by contending that lifelong moral views are largely in place by adolescence. Quote, what you believe at age 13 is pretty much what you're going to die believing, Barna said. Research compiled by his, this, some, somebody groaned, that might be frightening, um, but research compiled by his Barna group 
shows that children between the ages of 5 and 13 have a, I don't know how they calculate this, but they have a 32% probability of accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that likelihood, the likelihood of that drops to 4% for teenagers ages 14 to 18, but ticks back up a bit for adults and those over 18. So there's a, a kind of a critical window where there seems to be a receptivity and an openness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because of that, and for many reasons, some of which I'll talk about this morning, we take the discipleship of children very seriously here. And we have a lot of fun with it. I love the mystery box. I love interacting with the kids. But we take this very seriously from the very youngest ages as God has entrusted us with children in the life of this church, whether they're your children or just children who are part of this community and the children who are part of our surrounding community, we take this all very seriously. I am pleased and just honored that we have had at Free Christian Church a vibrant and active and fruitful children's ministry for many years. And we have just recently celebrated the ministry of Kathy Shannon, who was on staff here for 16 years, over 16 years, serving the families and the children of this church. And so we celebrated that. And now we are in a new chapter of ministry. And I want to just introduce or reintroduce perhaps our team to you. So I want to bring up Robin Kata and Jane Mulcahy. Come on up. And they are serving as directors of our children's ministry now. So come on all the way. Well, you two can both, yeah. So we had been kind of focusing on her, Kathy, and that, and, but people have been curious about how are things going and moving forward, and we are just blessed. These two have been on staff for over five years now each, and uh, serving and fruitful, and they, they know the ministry and are ready to, to move it forward. We've sort of um, divided up some of the responsibilities of children's ministry in terms of leadership, that some of the planning and curriculum review for Cuddle Corner, so really from birth and in the nursery all the way up through kindergarten that Robin oversees a lot of that. Jane oversees a lot of the development of the curriculum and, and programming for the elementary age uh, students. Uh, in terms of implementing the ministry, Robin on Sunday mornings is coordinating primarily here on the Andover campus. Jane primarily at the North Andover campus. But if even if, so if you have kids or if you don't have kids in the children's ministry, Robin and Jane, you need to know them. You need to pray for them. Uh, we need to pray God's blessing over your ministry. We are excited that you're leading in these ways. And there's other, there's all the midweek programming and VBS, and there's like a, it's a, it's a broad uh, ministry that they, that you two are working on. So um, I want to highlight a couple things real quick. One is that we're always looking for people to partner with this ministry. Again, whether you have kids in the ministry. Or not. There's opportunities at the upcoming Vacation Bible School. There's opportunities. The North Andover campus, especially for you people, 9 a.m. Free Church Andover people. There's a number of you here who come and worship, and then you drive over to the North Andover campus and help out over there to that growing, budding congregation. And we are so grateful to you and for you for that. If you were ever interested in that, talk to Jane. And it's a great opportunity to both uh, be able to worship and serve on a Sunday morning and come alongside children's ministry 
There's opportunities here in the cuddle corner. If you don't like kids, we have opportunities for you to, um, to help from a distance. Even at DBS, you know, help with um, preparing. Hmm? We have, don't raise your hand. We don't, you don't actually have to like them. We do have to love them. And there's, I don't even know if there's a difference. Right. Um, but there's behind the scenes uh, registration where you'd be interacting with adults. And that's, you know, some of you enjoy interacting with adults. So let me say no more about that. <laughs> and I will, let me pray for you too. Can I, actually, can I kind of stand between and put a hand on you guys? And let me just pray. So Father God, in this uh, new season of ministry, we pray your blessing over Robin and Jane. And we pray that you would continue to build them up as your disciples, that they would, in all things, trust you as, as wives and as moms and uh, also as servants here at the church in the work that they do. We pray that their work would be fruitful. We pray that they would be building into the lives of all those who serve alongside them, uh, all the volunteers and, and interns, and uh, it just that, they, that this ministry would be a blessing, not only to the families of this church, but to the families of this community. We lift up especially the upcoming VBS, where we will see many guests and visitors to this place. May your gospel be proclaimed. May Jesus Christ and his name be lifted high. May his, may his love and his salvation be known in the lives of children, and may that bear fruit from them to their families and to this area and this world that this place would be changed because children's hearts and children's lives are changed. And may it start, may it start right here. So we just uh, pray that you would unite them and the, and the rest of the, uh, the leaders and all who are part of this community here, that you would unite us as one, as you, Lord, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are one God. Uh, may we express that kind of love and unity to one another, Lord. So I, I we commend them to this work, we commission them to this, and we just pray your blessing over it. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. 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 Thanks, guys. All right. Let's take a look at these two accounts. Uh, let's look back, the, the Mark chapter 9, so that's kind of in the left-hand column of, on the back of your bulletin. And now we have Jesus... And he's come to Capernaum. And this, Jesus has been traveling around the region of Galilee. And he's, Capernaum's sort of the last stop. There's a big transition here as we consider Jesus and his kingdom unfolding. He's heading back to Judea. And he's heading to the cross. Everything now is straight towards the cross. Jesus is talking about it. He's, he's done traveling. He's done his work on the outskirts. He's... He's really finished up the main part of the teaching ministry, and now he's heading back, and here he's reminding them of his impending death. That's what immediately precedes this passage. Jesus is talking about the fact that he has to go to the cross. And in verse 32, just before this, we're told that the disciples did not understand what he meant by all this, and they were afraid to ask him about it. And, and we get that. We understand when, when somebody brings up a tough subject, Jesus is talking about death, it's just not a comfortable subject. Perhaps it's a conversation that you've had to have uh, with uh, maybe an aging parent or with a child about a, a difficult life 
topic, sometimes people are inclined to say, let's not, let's not talk about that now. Let's not talk about that now. Let's, we want to put that off. And here, the disciples, you know, let's not talk about that right now. Because he's talking about his death, but he wouldn't drop it because it was so central to his ministry that Jesus Christ, the, the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, came to this earth to serve and to give his life as a ransom for, for the sins of all people, for, as our ransom. And he pays for that on the cross. And that is his mission. It creates a whole new pattern of life that this way of the cross becomes the way of life in his kingdom. As, as we focused on last week, Jesus said, if anybody wants to be my disciple, if anybody wants to follow after Jesus, that person must, uh, he must take up his cross, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. That Jesus' journey to the cross becomes our journey of life in this kingdom. And they don't really want to talk about it, so they have their own side conversation. And what's the side conversation about? It's actually an argument, verses 33 and 34. They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Who's the best? Who's got, uh, who's got the status? Who's going to be in this new kingdom? You know, who's going to be the best and the greatest? And Jesus asks them, what are you arguing about? And I don't know if they thought they were far away from Jesus enough to have this conversation without him hearing. I don't know if we are inclined to have conversations and thoughts thinking that we're somehow far enough away that Jesus does not know our heart. But he knows. And what do they do? He says, what are you talking about? What do they do? They go silent. So kids, do you ever watch AFV, America's Funniest Videos? Yeah, we watch it all the time. They, they, a popular video, there's certain videos that get repeated in different forms, you know, of people falling down or getting hit in the head or other body parts and things. So one repeating video is the guilty dog. Have you ever seen the guilty dog video? So the dog chews up the couch or the dog chews through the trash. And the owner says, um, did, you, did you eat the trash? And the dog is just, you know, or the dog will go into a corner and kind of look away and, you know. Did you eat my dinner? And the dog, you know, with the, with the food all over its face, just. <laughs> this is a moment here. This is the, the, the guilty dog moment where the disciples know that they're off base. Jesus says, what are you talking about? And they, they say nothing. They have no response. Jesus, though, knowing their hearts, Jesus, every moment when his disciples fail and when we fail, it becomes a moment for him to teach to teach truth about him and his kingdom. And look at verse 35. This is the key verse here. Sitting down, Jesus calls the 12. So he says, look, he knows what's going on. He says, let's sit down. He's going to sit. That's a posture of teaching. This is, a, this is so important that we can't just have a conversation. We're going to have a, a, a classroom moment here. He says this, tremendously important. Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. This is a very famous statement of Jesus. It's a very uh, paradoxical kind of a statement. If you want to be first, then you need to make yourself last. The path to spiritual greatness is not paved with 
you know, not paved at the expense of others. It is found in a new attitude of his kingdom. It's an attitude of humility. It's an attitude of serving others. If you want to be first, you need to be last. It's not that, amb- it's not that ambition is bad. A- ambition is okay. The problem here is selfish ambition, self-promoting ambition. The prophet Jeremiah, Jeremiah 45 says, Should you seek great things for yourself? Seek them not. Ambition is wired in many ways into humanity. I was actually just talking to some friends about this on Friday. There's something about us that wants to accomplish and achieve, and that's a good thing. Ambition is not bad. It's when we use our ambition for ourselves, to promote ourselves, to gain a name for ourselves, to gain our own comfort, our own security. We are far from this kingdom when we do that. But on the other hand, if we use our ambition to seek the interests of others, to seek first God's kingdom, to seek his righteousness, if we are seeking to be great in our service to our Lord, then we are seeking a good thing. But this true greatness is found in servanthood. And Jesus makes an example. So he teaches this, and he said, here's an example. He takes a little child, verse 36, took a little child whom he placed among them, and he takes this child in his arms, and he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not only welcome me or does not welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. This is a good example. When you receive children, uh, you're, not, you, you're not typically helping your social status. Children don't do that. Children don't help your prestige, your power, your ego, your success. Um, children, what they do is they, they need They have needs. They need you. Adults. Again, I'm not just talking to parents here. Children need adults. They require from us. They demand from us. But we are to receive children, and not just receive them, but receive them in Jesus' name. As he says, in my name. It's not just that we receive children. It's something that flows from our relationship to God. That by nature of that relationship that we have with God, that we can receive children in a way that we are compelled to do that by his love. And when we receive children, we are receiving Christ and we are receiving God the Father. Think about that. Think about what Jesus said. He said, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but welcomes the one who sent me. That by welcoming and receiving children in Jesus' name, we receive the Son and we receive God the Father. One commentator put it like this. said, it's no exaggeration to say that the highest possible social achievement will be to receive a child in Christ's name. It goes on to say, what an accomplishment it is for a spiritual family, a church, to truly receive a child into its fellowship in the spirit of Jesus, forgetting self in service, conscious of the responsibility of bringing an immortal soul into its true heritage. It's a huge task. It's an important task. So as a church, we do take this 
seriously. Receiving a bunch of children into our fellowship does not help the bottom line. It doesn't. But we, but we love them just the same. Because the motivation is to love and to receive them just as we receive Christ. We are shaping the future of the church and the present of the church. Whereas children live out their faith, kids, in your everyday, wherever God calls you this summer, whether it's at a, a summer camp or with your family or on vacation or at a, at a class you're taking or in, on sports fields, you can love those who are around you in such a way that they will come to know the love of Jesus, that you are spreading the good news of Jesus just as we as adults, wherever we go, are called to spread the same good news. So I encourage you, again, be part of this. You can help teach even just for the summer or you can volunteer at the upcoming VBS. And even if you can't, if you're not involved in those things, we can all be very much a part of receiving children into our worship. Worship is not an adults-only kind of a thing. A few weeks ago, I went to a church I, I, I haven't been to church in six years, <laughs> so I, had, I got to go to church. It was so joyful. I had the weekend off, and we're just uh, spending time with my wife. And I went to this tiny little church up in Southwest Harbor, Maine, on Mount Desert Island. And it's this little congregational church. And I drove all the way across the island just to go to this church because they're part of the same fellowship of congregational churches that we're, we're part of. And... Uh, I went and I checked out, I always, whenever I go to a church, I check out their website first just to see what to expect and, you know, how, how should I dress and is it going to be weird and you just got to ask these questions. And I, and I, I lead it, you know, I'm a leader in a church and I know people ask these questions and think we're weird and that kind of stuff. So I, I get it. So anyway, on their website, it talks about how to respond to children who are in worship and they remind that worship is not just an adults only thing. So it says this, it says, uh, remember the commitment you made, this is excerpts from their website, it says, remember the commitment you made as a church when children were baptized, a commitment to encourage them to become disciples of Jesus. Always keep that in the back of your mind. Realize worship is not for adults only. And he says, honestly, sometimes parents need to do a better job at parenting. But ask yourself, how much support do you give? Have you gone out of your way to make the children sitting around you feel welcome the same as you would welcome any other guest or visitor to the church? Intro these are kind of tips they're giving. Uh, introduce yourself to the children sitting around you. Make him or her feel welcome and important. Understand, next tip, understand when parents need to take young children and babies to the nursery or to the restroom and then return to worship. And I add to that, if that happens, get over it. Like, that happens. Like, kids need to go to the nursery. They need to go to the restroom. Just, that happens. I'm, emphasis mine. Okay. Have patience with the learning process. Pray for families, especially if you see families that are struggling. Um, compliment children who listen attentively during service. And just be aware of your attitude. I thought those were really good, really helpful points as we worship together as a family. Uh, just to remember that this is all of our, our duty together. So anyway, but back to this, back to the text here, because it's not just about children. You know, Jesus is talking about receiving children, but the child is, really represents anyone who's unimportant or not influenced or doesn't get you ahead. Remember, the disciples are arguing about who's the greatest, and he says, look at this child, receive a child, and this is how you're going to receive me in, in this kingdom. 
you know, Jesus told the story in Matthew 25. I tell you the truth, whatever you did for the least, one of the least of these brothers of mine you did for me. You know, as we receive and interact and love people in Jesus' name, just ordinary people who we interact with, that we are receiving him. You know, who do you connect yourself with? There's beautiful expressions of this in the life of our church. Hey, just yesterday, uh, we, the church co-sponsored a, uh, it, it's the skateboarding competition at the skate park in Lawrence where uh, there's been you know, ministry of the church in, from individuals, one individual in particular, who's just been there, present, and just loving this community. And, and it's not a community that a lot of people care about, but there's uh, a lot of prayer and love has been given to these boys, the, the skaters of Lawrence. And, and there's a, just a higher awareness now because of events like this. The mayor showed up yesterday, and it was great to see him and a lot of support and sponsors. And it's just a great day, a good community day uh, to love and care for those kids. Uh, there's those who work with prisoners and those who work with the people who are homeless. There's those who are serving and ministering in nursing homes, people who are just forgotten and, and lonely and ministering in the name of Jesus Christ in all those places. But you don't even have to, you don't even, we need to be going to those places, but in your everyday, you're going to come across people who just need to be received and loved. And you can spend all your time and all your energy on people who can make you feel better about yourself and who can help you, you know, help your status and make you look good, but we are called in this kingdom to, to go to to those who don't do that for us and receive them in Jesus' name. So that's what we need to do that, receiving the children. I have not left myself enough time to get to the second one, but I'll give you, I'll, I'll finish it like this. We need to receive children and we need to teach children, but there's something that we're also going to learn from children. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. And truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. He's saying there's something you need to learn from these children. You need to approach the kingdom like a little child. And yes, children are um, full of joy and they're trusting and they have humility and a desire to learn and they want to please mother and father. And they, they are you know, uncomplicated in many ways. But really, here, it's about dependence. The children are completely dependent on their families and on their parents. Almost a, a helplessness. This is the approach to the kingdom that Jesus desires, that we come in desperate need. Every one of us, sinners, gone our own way. We've gone away from this kingdom. We've, we've fallen into the kingdom of darkness and of sin and brokenness. And we need to turn. Like a little child turns to parent when they're hungry, saying, Mom, I'm hungry. And in the same spiritual condition, we turn to Jesus and say, Lord, we are starving without you. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. We need your love. This is a beautiful, this particular passage, the chapter 10 passage, is just a, a lovely passage, a lot of artwork, a lot of pictures drawn about Jesus, you know, welcoming the children, do not hinder them. But it's also disturbing and challenging. It is lovely. 
But think about what a major shift of worldview that it will take for people to not rely on their own strength, to realize their need, and to turn to Jesus in repentance, seeking his grace. Um, let, me, let me do this. Who's, who's going to come up and pray? Okay. Cindy's going to come up and pray. Man, let me just pray for us. And uh, if you just bow your heads and... Father, I pray that we would all learn to seek your kingdom as, just as a child. Just, you are great. You know all things. You provide all things for us. You have already and will continue to do so. We, we need you, Lord. And I pray uh, for all the kids who have joined us in worship today, if there are any who have never turned to you in faith, for anyone else in this room who has never approached or entered your kingdom like a child, Lord, you said we will not enter it unless we do this. I pray that even this morning they just turn their hearts to you to receive your grace because of what Jesus Christ accomplished as he faced that cross, as he died in our place and rose again to new life. That we would turn to you, Heavenly Father, seek your grace and receive it this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.